Welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast, where we strengthen relationships and build stronger communities through listening, leadership, care, and service to create truly human connection. Learn and partner with us as we imagine a society in which people care about each other first. Explore more at ourcommunitylistens.org. Hi, I'm Adam Salgett, and with me today on the podcast is Sarah Weisbarth. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing great, Adam. Happy, happy to be here. Uh, we have two special guests with us today, Sarah. First, Mike Disparis from uh, Midland, Texas. You guys know him. He's been on the podcast a few times as of late. Mike is the leader of education initiatives for our community listens. Mike, how are you? I'm doing wonderful, Adam. I'm so excited to be here with you and Sarah in the packet today. Yep, Mike uh, gave a little tease there. Our our last guest here is Rebecca Buell, the Executive Director for Our Community Listens from St. Louis, Missouri. Rebecca, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on today, Adam. You're welcome. And I'm excited to do something a little bit different with our podcast episode today. So hold tight. So this episode is coming out December 23rd. We're recording it the week before. And we wanted to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about holiday spirit. Holiday spirit can be many different things for, for all the people out there in the world. Of, for, for many of us, as we're here in the U.S., ramping up towards Christmas. We're going to touch a little bit on our favorite memories of Christmas, just uh, some of our favorite traditions, and many of the things that uh, a lot of us are taking time to reflect on as 2020 has been such a wild year and we may not be able to spend Christmas the same way that we used to. So this year it might involve uh, Zoom screens and, and many different ways to you know, communicate virtually instead of being in person. My first question, though, about Christmas, because I dropped the rocking around the Christmas tree, Rebecca I'm curious, what's your feelings on Christmas music? Uh, in our area, we have a radio station that starts playing it November 1st. And we have people who just flip a lid on Facebook and social media. And they're like, way too early, way too early. You know what? I get it. And I respect the way too early crowd. But as soon as I'm done handing out candy, when I put the pumpkin away, I'm ready to start listening. And I may not like put all the decorations outside yet. But um, as soon as the Halloween pumpkins put away, I'm open game to listen in private. What about you, Sarah? How do you feel about it? So I am traditionally wanting to give the American holiday of Thanksgiving its due course. So <laughs> I, I'm like, we get done eating turkey. And then it's like the next day, all the decorations go up and the music starts because I feel like I've at least saved some space for Thanksgiving. That's fair. That's fair. Mike, any thoughts? To me, when I hear the first Christmas song of the year, like October 10th, when you walk into Walmart, <laughs> it's just pure stress because I immediately go into all the work that has to take place, like setting stuff up, going and buying presents, all the lights, the trees, all the stuff that has to be perfectly placed and then rewiring stuff and reconfiguring <laughs> 
And so I don't really like Christmas music until all that's just done. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I can understand how it triggers certain things. Rebecca, I'm in I'm in the boat with you. I'm I'm totally comfortable with it kind of just being on right after right after Halloween. It's totally fine by me. You know, I had a, one of my boys really loved Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And when you would do the sounds, like one day um, Santa came to say, ho, 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 he would laugh until he about turned purple. So I can sing that like in June or July because I remember my son being a baby. Those are the wonderful things that we have that tie so neat, um, so neatly to Christmas for me. And I think for a lot of people are those traditions, you know, certain smells, certain songs, that just bring back really great memories. Uh, so let's transition to some of those traditions. Rebecca, do you have do you have any in mind that your family used to do? Well, besides my mom being an amazing cook and baker, so our house was always full of wonderful smells, we did not touch a ribbon or a present or a candy cane on the tree. Nothing happened on Christmas morning until my dad read Luke 2. And so we would all gather around. He would read Luke 2. And anyway, now as an adult, we all live all over the country. I've got a brother moving to Montana, one in South Carolina. My parents live in Texas, and I'm here in Missouri. And we call or Zoom or Skype or something into my parents for my dad to read. Luke 2. That's awesome. So even before, you know, 2020, asking people to kind of, you know, have less you know, in-person gatherings. Well, 2020 didn't ask it, but, you know, pandemic. Even before that, you guys would still do that. We would usually do it by phone. You know, I think technology is much better this year than it's ever been out of necessity. We'd usually do phone or FaceTime, but um, yeah, technology gets better every year. That is one thing that I noticed. Uh, We did my daughter's birthday party via Zoom last week. A lot of people much more comfortable in that space. So if, you know, the world is changing a little bit, and even though we're apart, we can still be connected. Sarah, any traditions uh, from your family that really come to mind? So for me, it's about the Christmas tree, um, the going to get the tree. We've got some funny stories within our family about how we had to like get the perfect tree, and my brother and I would get abandoned next to the potential <laughs> perfect tree so that then mom could go see if there was another more perfect tree. And as like a, you know, eight-year-old standing alone by a Christmas tree, you're not really sure what you're supposed to say to people if they happen to look at it. <laughs> like, I, and I'm sure like the, the, the field of all of the trees I thought was like, you know, acres and acres. And I thought for sure they would never find me. And anyways, <laughs> my mom was very intentional. And I think that's, that's the heartwarming part for me is she was very intentional about creating this whole feel around Christmas. And for her, it was the tree. And then the ornaments on the tree. And every year we would go get a special ornament and it was that ornament for the year. And I still have those ornaments on my Christmas tree. And I have the family ornaments. I have the special ornament I received from Santa that year, the dates on it. And then I've now started that tradition with my son and he gets an ornament every year. And the ornaments on our current tree that he likes the most are those ones that we have from so long ago that my mom so intentionally picked out with us as a family. Um, so for me, it's, it's that the tree, I, so much of what is on that tree is like the story of our lives. And it just, the tree, the answer is the tree. The tree. It's almost like a tr- timeline, Christmas tree timeline. 
It really is. And like we get ornaments now when we vacation places. And so like when we hang them up, like, oh, we remember that vacation. We remember that moment. And it's um, it's just really unique to us. I'm not sure on the math of all of this, but you must have a lot of ornaments, I'm guessing now. It's pretty full, eh? <laughs> it is. <laughs> we actually reflected on this year's tree that about how it was shaped that it doesn't feel like all the ornaments were crammed on each other this year they actually had their own little spot in space and there are a few like those really like cute ones like when Aaron was in kindergarten that they don't get hung up anymore right. I, I have to <laughs> <laughs> the macaroni ones yeah yeah <laughs> those don't go up anymore they're in a, they're in a special box but they're not on the tree <laughs> that's what I was gonna say keepsake keepsake box yeah <laughs> Um, what about you, Mike? A uh, certain family tradition that comes to mind? When I was growing up, we always, Christmas Eve was a huge ordeal, um, probably because of midnight mass. So we always did a whole deal where my mom would make homemade lasagna and spaghetti, and then we would eat that as a family. And then after that, we got to open up presents from our relatives. So that was always kind of cool. And then we go to midnight mass later on, but it was always like this. It was very processed. So in other words, like everybody had to eat. And like, when you're a little kid, you didn't really care about eating. You just wanted to see what your presents were going to be. Right. And then like, we had to clean everything up. And of course it was all the good China. So it was like hand washing and you know, all that. And it was just a very, very slow process, most likely. So my mom and dad could probably enjoy it more than us just tearing through everything. <laughs> and it was always like, okay, now it's Katie's turn to open up the present from Aunt Pat. Now it's Denny's turn. And I'm like, can't we just all open up the present from Aunt Pat at the same time? And then we'd call up my aunt and thank her. And I'd be like, thanks for the corduroy jeans. <laughs> so, but it was really, it's kind of funny to reflect back on that because still up in Colorado, they do that. Um, when we travel up there, of course, this year will be totally different. We still go through that same process. And then down here, we go through a very, very similar process. So uh, you mentioned presence in there. And that brings me to a question about um did you ever try to guess your presents? So let's let's come right back to you, Mike, real quick. Did you ever try to guess them, and did you get in trouble, did, or did you annoy your parents to the point where they were like, we're taking them all away? There was never a, t- a Christmas where I didn't know, Adam, wasn't guessing, know what my presents were. So my two older brothers taught me pretty well, like, let's go find them. <laughs> so they knew like, where all the secret hiding places were, and we I knew what every present was before. I was opening it up. <laughs> That's a little rough. I didn't go find, go, go digging for them too much. What about you, Rebecca? Oh my goodness. I'm just going to share all of my dirty secrets here. There was one year when I was in elementary school. I'm a little bit older than the rest of you, but there was a year in elementary school where Cabbage Patch Kids were more valuable than gold. <laughs> I mean, I remember like people got broken limbs at Target and Shopco trying to fight over getting these dolls. And I probably, I was late to the party. I probably wanted one for like a year, year and a half. And I remember going under the tree and like, like you kind of know the shape of the box. You right. kind of know, and you can feel, and there's like the fake Cabbage Patch Kids that people tried to throw in the mix, right? And that box is a little bit different. But I remember going and like touching the paper and feeling the ridges, like here's the, the cellophane part. And then here's the like cardboard part. And I knew in advance I was getting a Cabbage Patch Kid because I had completely like I, like I wasn't doing Braille or something, <laughs> had my hand all over the package so much. 
And then it was kind of anticlimactic because I'd wanted one for so long. And then I opened it. I'm like, hey, I already knew. So now that is probably the most honest of sneaking I did. There were also times, Adam, that I actually really carefully peeled back the tape, (laughs) opened it and rewrapped the present. I never went that far. (laughs) I would shake and I would feel, but I never unwrapped. That's, that's, (laughs) That's pretty good. Sarah, any thoughts on that? Oh my gosh! So like, if y'all saw my horrified face when, like, Mike's like, there was never a Christmas I didn't know. I'm like, my worst Christmas ever was the year that my older brother revealed to me mom's system. She would be buying presents all year round, wrap them, and then put them underneath her bed, and then she would put our name on the bottom, and presents got a number, and then she had a notebook. <laughs> I come by all of my strengths naturally. <laughs> she had a notebook that then like the number corresponded with the gift. Right. And my brother revealed like the secret code and like, you know, the decoder book. To, <laughs> I went and like read all of the presents that I was getting that year. And it was by, it was by far my worst Christmas ever. And I've never done it again. And I really hope Aaron doesn't do it now that I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like, do I really think I'm that stealthy of a parent? (laughs) So let me ask you guys, uh, you, you both talked a little bit there about how knowing ahead of time kind of ruined it. So when you're giving a gift, how secret are you keeping it? And then do you have a favorite gift that you've given anyone? I'll let anybody go ahead and jump whenever you think, and I'll edit, I'll edit to it. I, I love giving gifts. I am, I am not like, I I like getting things like, let's be honest, who doesn't like getting a gift, but it's not my love language. Um, but I love going around and like shopping in cute stores. And when I see something that's like, Oh, that would be perfect for Rebecca. Like that's the gift I love, like getting, giving. Um, So then I feel like in that sense, I'm, I'm pretty selfie about it. Um, (laughs) And then I do feel like throughout the year, I like hear things from my family where they're like, oh, I would really like, and then I'm like, ooh, make a note of that. Like, ooh, I really like, and then I make a note of it. Um, When Aaron was younger, um, we were really good about keeping things secret. It gets harder. Like Rebecca and Mike, you can probably, you know, like, you know, they get to those teen years and it gets a little harder keeping everything so, so secret and so much of a surprise, but oh no, I'm all about the experience of giving the gift. Before Rebecca and Mike jump in on uh, how it gets a little harder to keep a secret, I'm going to tell you guys right now, with a five-year-old, I'm able to just leave packages in the garage and say that's all dad's equipment. And we haven't even, we haven't, they, they don't question anything. So like, it's so easy right now. So I'm interested to learn a little bit about what I should be prepared for and what, what kind of tips. What about you, Rebecca? I don't know if I can say a best gift that I've given somebody, but there have been a couple of times that um, it's just warmed my heart so much. A couple of years ago, my older son, who's got this really kind of funky hipster vibe and fashion sense, um, like Sarah mentioned, he had just said things in passing throughout the year. And I knew kind of some things that he wanted and some things that maybe he didn't need, but he might need soon or whatever. Anyway, there is this just like super cool pair of boots. They're like wingtip boots with a 
kind of a chunky soul. I mean, just this funky hipster vibe. <laughs> and I saw them and I thought of him mm-hmm. and I'm like, I, I think he'll like those. And so I just randomly bought them, not even knowing. And I was like, well, I've got the receipt. If he doesn't like them, we can take them back. And when he opened them on Christmas morning, just the look on his face and he just quietly got his phone and brought it and showed me that he had a screenshot of almost the exact identical boots. And they were so funky and so offbeat. I'd never seen anything like them before or since. And he had chosen those, but not even told anybody that he really, really wanted them. And so that was like a fun, fun thing. Now, contrast this year when everybody's living and working at home all the time, I ordered some things for my other son and he texted me yesterday and he's like, Hey mom, these jeans fit great. I love them. (laughs) And I was like, actually you weren't supposed to open those. Those were a Christmas surprise. So Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I can't just, I can't do that when they reach 18, 20, it's not, not going to work. Right. Yeah. They just opened the packages as they come and it didn't even have his name on it. He just assumed he's like, Oh, that's a brand I like. Mom probably got me something. (laughs) I want to ask you guys a little bit about any special dinners, like like dishes, I should say. Any special dishes that you have at Christmas dinner or special desserts, special bakes, any anything along those lines. My mother-in-law makes these peanut butter treats that are pretty pretty much like exclusive for Christmas. They've they seem to leak their way into other parties every once in a while, but when when you smell those peanut butter treats now, for me, you know, the last 10 years, that's like, oh, yep, yeah, it's Christmas Eve, where I, you know, it's a very good, very good memory, very good trigger. What about you, Rebecca? My mom used to always make Russian tea cakes, like the little snowball cookies with pecans and the Roman powdered sugar. And those were only done at the holidays. I mean, they're so, so good. But for me, the biggest thing was my mom grew up in Southern California and she had all this Latina influence in her world. I grew up in Iowa, so I am convinced I am probably the only person or my family's the only people in Sioux City, Iowa, that had a huge like Mexican spread for Christmas Eve every year. We'd have like homemade enchiladas and tacos and all these different things that she had put together. And that was just our family tradition. That sounds delicious. (laughs) Sarah, any, I know uh, we chatted earlier today and you mentioned something. I think uh, you're going to mention a particular type of bread that I had never heard of. So I, was thinking about um it being like my grandmother on my my first husband's side of the family after midnight mass and i i just want to say like i think the reason that all parents are tired on christmas morning is because we schedule things like midnight mass (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying like in in my religious tradition we go to church at like six o'clock so (laughs) i'm fully rested by the morning um, but she used to make, she used to have us all over after midnight mass. And one of the things that was really coveted was called the saffron bread. And, um, actually from the upper peninsula, it's an English dish. I had no idea, and, but it was so like, Oh, grandma's saffron <laughs> bread. And like, it was doled out in like very like small increments. And so I looked up the recipe from the family recipe book. I, I took the afternoon to do that. And I'm looking at this recipe and I'm like, no wonder why this is coveted. Like it has ingredients in it that I don't think I could find without some sort of specialist person that knows what they are. (laughs) And it takes like an overnight soaking of some of these ingredients. And then like there's yeast involved and goodness knows, I don't want to make bread that has yeast, but like, 
I think I understand now why the saffron bread was so, so coveted, so coveted. And only made one time a year. Only made one time a year. And my brother-in-law worked at the grocery store and he swears that the spice saffron, like they kept it behind like the customer service desk. Like it was like super, super special and probably super expensive or something. Any, any treats or any, any dishes at uh, your Christmas dinner? Mike? So my dad always loved chocolate covered peanuts. And my mom used to always make peanut clusters. And that was kind of like the gifts she would give friends and coworkers and, you know, that type of stuff. And so I'll never forget when my wife came to the first Christmas up in Colorado, she had peanut clusters and I don't think she ever had them before. And she was just like blown away. (laughs) And it's really not a hard recipe other than it's a lot of work, like stirring the chocolate with the peanuts when it's melting. And so they still continue, like the girls and Pam still do that and hand them out. This year is kind of interesting because I was like, well, let's still make them, but I don't think we should give them out because of COVID. Like, I don't know if we were really supposed to give people food or not. And like people started asking, hey, like, when are those peanut clusters going to happen? So they still made a bunch of them and gave them to people, you know, that we knew pretty well. And uh, maybe they threw them away, maybe they ate them, I don't know. And it does sound like people are weighing the the risk-reward yeah. on your peanut clusters, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like they're pretty good and ready to uh, – been quarantined ready. lately? All right, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> they already had it that you can have the peanut clusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been vaccinated. I can have a cluster. <laughs> I want to I bring up Christmas movies, but I want to tell a quick story on why – Christmas movies is part of one of my family traditions. So uh, my sister and I grew up four years apart. My And uh, Muppet Christmas Carol came out when we were both young. And we saw it in the theaters. And I still remember having the cassette tape of the soundtrack. And her and I would, you know, fight back and forth over to who gets to listen to it and everything. And as we've, you know, gotten older, even into our 20s and into our 30s, her and I will still try to get together when she is, she's the one who actually lives near St. Louis, Missouri. And when she comes home for the holidays, we try to get together and watch that movie. No matter if that's like the only two or three hours that we get to spend just, you know, her and I, or maybe now it's included my girls and it includes, you know, my wife. So that's been our tradition is watching Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, I'm curious about, uh, if you guys have any favorite Christmas movies, like what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? If you're going to snuggle up, watch a movie with the family or even something that's one of your own personal favorites. Uh, what are you, what are you tuning into Rebecca? Gosh, Adam, now that my boys are 18 and 20, that's hard because you know, their tastes have changed. Now they swear that Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. Um, but while they were growing up, if it was just me and everybody's gone to bed, it was um, it's a wonderful life. But with the boys, it was Elf. And we would watch Elf in May. We'd watch it in October. <laughs> we watched it a ton in December. We quote it. And now I think it's like when you have too much of a certain kind of candy, you're done with it. They told me they're not watching it this year. Oh, they're, they're tapping out. Yeah. Well, it, Elf is one of those great ones that uh, has a lot of funny lines to it. I almost, uh, I almost pulled a couple sound bites from that for our podcast, but I decided not to. <laughs> Whenever we see a sign that's like world's best, whatever, like in the movie, world's best cup of 
cup of coffee, my son says, congratulations, you did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Uh, Sarah, what about you? I'm, I'm big time on the Grinch. Um, I like the original um, cartoon of the Grinch, but I'm a huge fan of the live action with Jim Carrey and the Grinch. Not, I just have to say, not a super huge fan of the newer one, although I think the Screaming Goat is hilarious. <laughs> um, just hilarious. But no, I'm, I'm definitely a Grinch fan every year. Cindy Lou Who, she's just so stinking cute. Like, and, like she's got it right. Like, she knows what's going on and no one's listening to her. So I'm about the Grinch. <laughs> Mike, uh, I had a teacher in school who used to play um, – Oh, what's the one where the kid gets his tongue stuck to the flagpole? Christmas story. Christmas story every year, which is a bummer. I forget, but every year for four years, he would play that movie for our journalism class. So I know you're a former teacher in the classroom. Maybe you have a favorite one you used to play your students or just a favorite one in general. What is it? We weren't allowed to play movies um, in our classroom. They They were pretty strict about stuff like that, but for me, my brothers were very close to what they are, very, very close in age. And so at times, being the youngest brother, there was always a competition over, let's try to get Mikey to like this or Mike like that more. And so one of my brothers swore it was die hard, right? <laughs> so like his mission in life was to get me to agree that the best Christmas movie of all time was die hard. And the other brother was Rocky Four. Because Rocky goes and fights the Russian, you know, the communist basically takes down communism on Christmas night. Like what's more Christmas and American than that? So um, both of those movies, like I've seen them a million times. And when people say they're not Christmas movies, I'm kind of shocked. Right? I just grew up with that. But my favorite all-time Christmas movie is probably Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase because that kind of just sums up the craziness of families and Christmas and mm-hmm. how everybody wants things to be perfect, but rarely are they ever. But if you just sit back and enjoy like the craziness and how funny that is, then, um, you know, and plus Cousin Eddie's in it. How can you not love Cousin <laughs> Eddie? So what's well, not Christmas about Cousin Eddie, Adam? <laughs> oh, Oh, there's a few things that aren't too Christmas. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you, one of the last questions I have here has the word vacation in it. So uh, you mentioned Christmas vacation, and I thought of that movie. And I know they don't go on a vacation on that, but it had me thinking, uh, have you ever gone on vacation for Christmas? Did you go as a family? And if you haven't, and you think you might, where would you want to go? And what would that perfect little Christmas scene look like? Uh, So Rebecca, why don't we touch base with you first? I have yet to discover the perfect Christmas scene, Adam. But um, (laughs) last year, I took my boys to the beach for Christmas. We actually left as soon as they were done with their college finals. And um, so we left like on the 18th or 19th and came back on Christmas Day because it was cheaper to travel on Christmas Day. So that was actually pretty anticlimactic. So we wake up in a condo that's not ours and there's not a tree. And we're like, okay, pack your stuff. We got to go to the airport. So <laughs> I'm not Christmas. doing that again. Yeah. But when I was little, we went, my, my dad liked experiences more than gifts. And so we went one year and stayed in a hotel. We were in Sioux City, Iowa and went and stayed in a hotel in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, metropolitan Omaha. And we were going to stay in this hotel that had an indoor and an outdoor pool. And my brothers and I figured out that you could, you could swim under this little um, barrier 
and go outside. So we were swimming outside in Nebraska in December, which probably isn't great for your health, but we did. And you know, at like 12 and 15, it was, you know, amazing and brilliant. That sounds pretty cool. That's a, I, I, I lean towards your dad's philosophy of experience over gifts. So I'm, I, I think about that sometimes and try to be careful just how much stuff we're buying our girls and, and what we could do with that instead. Sarah, any, any thoughts on vacation uh, outside of, you know, traveling to see family potentially? Well, it's really intriguing that you even, even kind of set me up that way because when Aaron was born, um, his dad made a, a line in the sand, like made a boundary with his family that said we would be home at our home for Christmas morning, every Christmas morning. And that has mean like that tradition has maintained that there's just something about, um, you know, Santa coming to our house and um, just waking up and, and being in our home in, in that sense of hominess. I, I said home like five times already um, <laughs> on Christmas morning. If I were to travel for Christmas and I really think, I really think that I would, I really like learning about the holiday traditions of other countries. Um, I have a book that talks about um, um, a lot of the traditions of the American holiday of Christmas comes from ancient traditions um, in other countries. And so I, of course, have a very romanticized version of what I think maybe the, the Christmas time holidays look like in other countries. But I think that's what I would want to do is I would want to travel around and not necessarily go on a vacation, but like experience those traditions of wherever it is that I was traveling to. Sounds pretty unique and interesting. Mike? Um, when I was a senior in high school, I went and played baseball in Australia over Christmas break. And it was really a cool experience because it's very different down there, how they celebrate Christmas, especially since it's the middle of their summer. Yep. <laughs> and so we were staying at host families getting ready for the um, International Junior Olympic Tournament. And Christmas morning, we woke up, uh, the person who was also on our baseball team, and it was like 98 degrees and the humidity was just unbelievable. And so they suggest that we go for a swim in their pool and it felt like we were in a hot tub. And this was like 9.30 in the morning on Christmas morning. And so that was like a really, really kind of different and unique um, experience. But what was really crazy about Australia was um, just like in the United States, it's, it's kind of a big family thing, but it is like even more so um, where the celebration goes even into Boxing Day. So we got to meet like family and extended family and extended, extended family. And um, it was just a really, really cool and unique experience. And then just like here, you know, everybody has their favorite holiday meals. Right. We got to eat a lot of different foods like I never even considered <laughs> before so that was probably the most unique um experience it sounds like you got a little bit of what Sarah's seeking out <laughs> <laughs> it's good Australia <laughs> 98 degrees on Christmas would be quite a contrast yeah. for a, a boy who's been in Michigan every single year for, <laughs> for his entire life is there anything else anyone would like to add about their Christmas experience or their, their holiday experience or their holiday spirit what does it mean to you, I guess, if there's anything else you'd like to add in that space? A lot like Sarah, 
for me, the biggest Christmas thing is just home, having family and friends and just creating space for people to be in my space, you know, um, having dinner parties. And that, that's that been a shift this year, not having people in our space, not making, like Mike said, the trays of goodies to take around and give out to other people. Yeah, that's what Christmas is for me. It, it, more than gifts and tinsel. And I love the tree and I love the ribbons and all of that, the songs, but just just having people. And I don't know, that, that moment of community and I don't know, I just love it. Summed it up quite well, if you ask me, because that's very similar to what it's, what it's about for me too. For me, it's a real reflective time. There's something about how we can slow down even in the midst of busy. Um, I think in the Northern hemisphere, I think it's because it's just, you know, dark when you go to work and it's dark when you come home. So like, I think you're just naturally like, being still, letting that quiet time kind of just seep in. Um, and so for me, it's really just a really reflective, really reflective time. Um, and I completely agree. It's like that reflective time, but then being with those that are you're closest with. Sarah, do you ever get hot tea or hot cocoa when everybody else goes to bed and just sit in a dark house with just the Christmas tree lights on? Mm-hmm. My brother and I used to compete for the living room. Um, and do that when we were young and growing up. Um, and like, I would round the corner to like sit in the living room quietly and he'd already be there. And of course, you know, we're siblings. So you'd be like, get out, I'm sitting here kind of thing. But uh, no, and I still do. And it's actually, for me, it's the early morning because the cold sleeps way in. So I'm up in the early morning hours and just kind of sitting quietly and looking at those ornaments and just the reflection. Mm, Yeah. Love it. Mike, any further thoughts? I think for me, it's just um, probably the stories and the fun that just comes out of it all. Being with family and, I don't know, talking about goofy things and things we've done or tried to do that didn't quite come out. Or I think that's always the fun part of it, the memories. Well, I'd like to thank the three of you for being on our little bit different podcast today. And hopefully everybody gets a chance to listen to this and head into Um, Christmas and uh, any other holiday traditions that they may be celebrating. We thank you so much for listening into our podcast and spending time with us. And thank you, Rebecca, for being on. Thanks for having us, Adam. Welcome. And Sarah, thank you. Always a pleasure to have these conversations and always just really floored that, that we have, we have listeners, right? Like just so y'all know, there's like thousands of people out there listening to our Christmas stories now. So (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully um, this kind of like creates an environment in their homes where they have that time to pause and um, appreciate time of year, however they are celebrating it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Mike, thank you so much for being a part of that with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be a part of all this. It's been great. Got one final quick message. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. And God bless us, everyone. (laughs) Engage on our website, explore learning opportunities, and connect with others. This podcast is brought to you by the Chapman Foundation for Caring Communities, which focuses on strengthening relationships, creating connection, and building community. Listen. Lead. Connect. Connect.